Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry Connick Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. A big show for you here on this Thursday from Studio B at the headquarters of the Saints and Pelicans. I'm Sean Kelly. Hope you're up. Hope you're staying warm today, wherever you may be. Uh, even those of us here in the Gulf South are. Uh, uh, shivering a bit as the, uh, what are we going to call this now? Is this Polar Vortex 2 or whatever? Ah, uh, whatever. Winter's here apparently, and so uh, I know many of you listening to our podcast up north are, are shaking your heads at us right now, but uh, we're enjoying some winter weather for the first time here in New Orleans today. Uh, we'll keep you warm, though. We've got a great show for you on this Thursday. Thursdays are usually very good on the Black and Blue Report, but today is especially uh, good as we welcome in Jimmy Graham. The Saints tight end is ours today exclusively. A one-on-one talking to Jimmy Graham, of course, about things going on on the field with the New Orleans Saints, but off the field too. Um, and this this is right in the wheelhouse for Jimmy Graham. With Veterans Day already being celebrated this week, um, you've got the NBA doing their Hoops for Troops program and the NFL's salute to service throughout the month of November Um, Jimmy Graham is keenly aware of the sacrifice made by those men and women who serve our country and their families. And so he is passionate about the topic and certainly is a key guest for us here on Thursday. Also, Thursday means visit with the voices, and we get ready for Saints-Bengals this weekend with the voice of the Saints, of course, Jim Henderson, and the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Dan Horde. Both of those guys are with us today to uh, help us understand more about the matchup between the NFC South and the AFC North again this weekend at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And then a little bit later on, we're going to visit about the Second Harvest Food Bank event going on next week across the street here from the facility at uh, Winn-Dixie. Uh, it's a very important event, and so we want to shine some light on that as well today. Basketball-wise, nice win for the Pelicans last night. Nice, nice win. They take care of business against a struggling Lakers team, but taking care of home court I think is even more important. Uh, the Pelicans now are winners overall on the season at 4-3, and three, have a winning record at home as they downed the Lakers last night, 109-102. to uh, 102. Uh, the Pels led by as many as 23 at one point in the second half. And Anthony Davis again leads the way. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder now. I know Clay Thompson's had a great start to his season. There are others off to a fine start. But how in the world has Anthony Davis not yet been a Western Conference Player of the Week? Because the numbers I'm about to read you are not even his best numbers in a game this season. And so I guess we're just starting to see this as what maybe he puts out more often than not. But last night, he leads the Pelicans with 25 points on an efficient 12 of 16 from the field. He had 12 rebounds for, I think, his fifth double-double of the year. Actually, maybe his sixth. And 11 of those 12 rebounds were on the defensive glass. He also added six block shots. That takes him up over 30 now, 30 block shots in his first seven games. So with that, let's take you inside the Pelicans locker room last night. Here's Anthony Davis with the media following the Pelicans win over the Lakers. We want to protect home court. 
And we just went out there and just tried to <coughs> defend. Um, we got stops, tried to run, and get easy buckets in transition. You guys have a, few, a huge third quarter. Do you guys emphasize coming out of halftime with a strong start? No, uh, I think we just, you know, know where we are, you know, in the game. You no, know, we had to, we were about three, I think, going to half, and um, we just had to go out there and win. <coughs> we know that, um, you know, anybody who have Kobe Bryant on their team, um, you know, they're always in the game. So um, they just had to come out and make sure that we, you know, start the third quarter well. You know, get that, try to build that lead. You know, and make sure that we can hold the lead. Anthony, your games have been getting a lot of great reviews from a bunch of different people in publications. I mean, do you pay attention to those, to the nice things that people are saying about your game? Oh, uh, not really. You know, I try to stay away from all that. You know, of course, people are going to tell me, but I don't you know, go looking forward to reading or anything like that. You know, I got to make sure that um, you know I stay in the gym and just trying to help the team win. You guys had uh, 27 assists, which is a lot. He shot really high percentage. This guy had, I think, 11 assists, which is close to his uh, career high. What did you think of the way you guys played on offense? That was kind of what you guys were looking for. Yeah, we just shared the ball. You know, that's what we got to do. Make sure we get everybody involved. You know, um, you know, like Cleveland, we kind of um, stand, standing around watching one guy try to, you know, create for itself. You know, here we just, you know, got off the ball and just made easy plays. And you know, when you're doing it, everybody's getting involved. Everybody's happy. And, um, you know, it makes the game a lot easier. Did you see the points on the paint totals and all that? Yeah. It was like 60 to 32. 60 to 32, you guys, and you also shot like 51%. Um, what would you attribute that to? Uh, obviously, dominating the interior. No, we just attacking. You know, um, we know that they really didn't have any rim protectors. You know, who uh, you know, can go up and block shots. So, we, you know, Drew Reed, uh, Austin, um, EJ, you know, everybody's just out there attacking, just trying to get to the paint. Um, and that way, later in the game, you know, it's a lot easier for guys to um, knock down shots on the perimeter. The Pelicans outscored the Lakers in the paint 60-34 to last night and uh, easily were able to handle a Los Angeles team that was led by Kobe Bryant's 33 points. The homestand continues tomorrow night. Pelicans and Timberwolves at 7 o'clock. And tonight on WWL-FM, that's 105.3 FM, we'll have our Monty Williams show for you. That's from 8 until 8.30. It'll be our most extensive visit of the week with the Pelicans head coach. Thursday night football as well tonight. I think it's it is Bills Dolphins. Uh, that could be of interest. I'd like to see what the Bills do with the Dolphins tonight. I think the Bills are on the upswing, and so that one may be worth watching on this Thursday night as well. So a big show for you here on this Thursday. Glad you're with us. I'm sure I've forgotten something, but I must get to the first time out because when we come back, we'll start our guest list, which includes Jim Henderson, Dan Horde, and Jimmy Graham here on the Black and Blue Report. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Lotto's all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Big show here on this Thursday, still to come. One-on-one with Jimmy Graham and, of course, a visit with the voices on Thursdays. Uh, Coming up shortly is Dan Hoare, the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals. But first up, and always first in our hearts, Jim Henderson, the voice of the Saints. You know, Jim, they say on Meet the Press, they say if it's Sunday, it's Meet the Press. I guess if it's Thursday, it's Jim Henderson. Yeah, and if it's Monday, it's red beans and rice and other other assorted things around New Orleans. Hey, look, when you get Jimmy on, tell him that the, the Bengals, he probably knows this, have had a hard time covering tight ends this season, so he should have a field day. Well, I would hope so, and uh, he seems healthier than he's been, at least in our visit uh, for the show today. So uh, these are all good signs for a Saints team, Jim, that seems to have found itself 
on the wrong side of the small things this year. Uh, and I think that maybe that's where we stand here, a game below 500 heading into the second game of this homestand. The Saints have had a knack for falling on the positive side of those uh, key plays. It just hasn't been that way this year. No, not at all. They've led in the final two minutes of three of their or four of their five losses. Um, so that's just indicative of the fact that they've got games out there they could have and should have won. But as Jim Mora once said, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Mm. Um, you got to get it done on the field, and they haven't done that yet. This is a good opportunity to do that. Hey, can I give you one more note on Jimmy Graham to Please. ask him? Yes, absolutely. Yesterday when I was out at Saints camp, I was walking away from the interview session with Mike Triplett, our good friend from ESPN, and uh, the former Saints beat writer. And we were talking about Jimmy Graham and some of the things that happened to him in the game uh, this past Sunday against San Francisco. And he said he had just gotten a note from somebody who said that Jimmy Graham has never drawn a defensive pass interference call in his history as a Saint. And I find that remarkable, and probably only he would know. He kind of referred to that after the game, saying, you know, I get pushed and pulled and tugged down all the time, and I never get the call. Ask him if he truly has gotten a defensive pass interference call against an opponent during his time with the Saints. I'd be interested to know. I would be, too, because that seems almost unbelievable on its its face value. I mean, really? Uh Zero? It's what I hear. Maybe, you know, we haven't had a chance to research it. I'm not sure if you, if you could, actually, but he would know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. So let me know what he says to, to uh, that theory, okay? All right. And in the spirit of cooperation, I will share a Jimmy Graham note with you that you may not know. Um, okay. And this is somewhat trivial, but you might want to throw it into your broadcast this Sunday, and that is this. You know those gloves that Jimmy Graham and most wide receivers now wear in the NFL? Yes. Jimmy says that he, in, a, in the course of a game, goes through 10 to 15 pairs of gloves. Really? 10 to 15 pairs. He says, I'm a little OCD. I said, he said, I don't like any blemish on the gloves whatsoever. And those little black pellets you find in the field turf, if they start to get on the right. gloves, I change them yeah. out. And he says, if I drop a ball, I just assume burn those gloves. And so he said, by the end of a game, he's probably gone through 10 to 15 pairs of those gloves. Man, that's a good note. I will make sure I get a chance to use that somewhere along the line. I'm sure it'll come up. There's no doubt about that. And speaking of good notes, I thought your line of questioning yesterday for Drew Brees was rather insightful. I didn't know how much was in his hands during a two-minute drive, and I also didn't know perhaps what his train of thought was specifically this past Sunday. You were right on the money with that questioning, Jim. Well, thanks, Sean. I mean, I try to remember. I don't have a knack for much, but I, I have, a, I think, a bit of a knack of remembering what people have said in interviews, even going back for years. And um, so I tried to pursue that. And, of course, a lot was made of the fact that they had timeout, two timeouts left late in that drive in the first half and, and didn't use them. And to my regret, I, I, did, I failed to, to hit on that in the course of the broadcast, and that bothered me. So I wanted to try to figure out what his thinking was there. And, you know, he's so good about it. I, I want to learn. You know, I want to get better at everything, and I want to learn what's going on with him and what's in his head. And he's so good about responding to stuff like that. It's like he wants to educate you, too, and, and I appreciate that. He never takes exception to questions that I've seen. He's never curt with people. I mean, he's just a joy to deal with in that regard. Were you surprised, or had you did you already know that he said, what did he say, 95% of the drive is in his hands? Is that about right? Yeah, I think so. That's about what I would have guessed, 90 to 90 to 95%, somewhere in there, yeah, that in the two-minute, uh, during the two-minute warning, two-minute drill, um, probably the, the play calling and, and all the audibles and that sort of thing are in his hands, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's turn our attention to this game a little bit. What do you, what are you, what are you seeing in your homework about the Bengals? Well, a lot. Um, for one thing, they're coming off an atrocious game against the Browns. It's interesting, you know, the Saints had their 11-game home winning streak snapped last week. The Bengals had a 14-game home winning streak snapped last uh, Thursday night against the Browns, in which they played unbelievably badly. Uh, Andy Dalton had a 2-0 quarterback rating. He is, and I've got to look back to my notes here because I'm still putting things together, I think he is the first quarterback in the last 31 years to have a quarterback rating under five. Oh. And as some of the Bengal people have pointed out, 
This was worse than some of their wonderful quarterbacks in years past, like Scott Mitchell, Achilles Smith, and David Klingler. So that, that's quite an indictment. And it leads me to believe, and this is also a Bengal team that has had a hard time coming from behind in the fourth quarter. So often you get a team that's down and you say, boy, we can't let these guys get their head up early. And I think specifically in this game, I mean, last week against the 49ers, you're down six, you're down 14 nothing in the first quarter, constantly clawing back. I think this is a team that I'm not going to say they would ever quit, but I think you've got to you've got to get them to thinking that um, last week wasn't an aberration against the Browns. This is a continue of the decline into the second half of the season, and especially too when you look at a team that's coming off a 14-game home winning streak, they now go on a three-game road trip, and five of their last seven are on the road. So I think this is a time that you got to jump on these guys early. Well, somebody in the AFC North has to start looking vulnerable in some way. I mean, this is a division. Jim, that is much like the Southwest Division in the NBA. I mean, almost unstoppable at this point. It's really interesting in this regard, too, as you look at the schedule. Uh, the AFC North doesn't have a single team that is not at least two games over 500. The Saints are part of an NFC South that doesn't have one team even at 500. And now the Saints play three consecutive AFC North opponents. That's amazing. It's amazing how those divisions, you know, one plays into the other, whether it's success or failure, uh, as yep. the schedule makers put it together. Uh, Jim, yep. we, had, we had a slew of transactions announced yesterday by Sean Payton. Um, it is a, kind of a news-filled week here for the Saints. Out of all of it, though, um, what are you going to take or what strikes you most as far as its significance to Sunday's game? Uh, for what the, the moves they've made as to what the significance might be? Just the new, whether it be the transactions or any other news of the week, um, which has the largest impact on Sunday's game? Well, it'll be interesting to see who of these guys uh, is going to be active. Um, I think probably, you know, Brian Leonard I know a little bit because he's from Governor of New York, and we have a, a family camp up there, and there's a big plaque about him. Uh, on the edge of the town there. They don't have an awful lot else going on for them. But uh, Brian Leonard, if he's active, I think he helps them on special teams. And I think they're, they continue to be concerned with their running back situation, whether Pierre Thomas and Kyrie Robinson can play. But, you know, the Saints have had a, a great deal of success just using Mark Ingram as their primary running back. One of the notes that I'm compiling, the Saints have had their three top running backs healthy in only three games uh, this season. Uh, Atlanta, Cleveland and Detroit. What do those three games have in common? Oh, all losses, all Jim. Lost. Yeah. And Ingram averaged only 11 carries in those three games. So even if one or both of those guys are back, you wonder if it's smart to take this workload off Mark Ingram's shoulders because they've done so well in the running game um, with him being by far the bell cow of the offense. Is this? Does he have a chance here? This would be his fourth straight 100-plus rushing game. Is that correct? When was the last time that happened? Is that on the top of your head? Well, I know the three in a row equals Deuce McAllister. He was the last Saint running back to do it. Whether Deuce did it four times in a row, I'm not sure. But I know they he tied Deuce McAllister with his, his third straight. And the opportunity seems to be there because the Bengals are 31st against the run, second to last in the NFL coming into this game. Perfect. You just stole my next question. So with that, <laughs> with that, <laughs> um, how do you prime the uh, – Prime the pump, if you will, for the broadcast on Sunday, Jim. Well, I'm just about to sit down and write the opening. I think probably the, the key will be the South will rise again, and this is the time to do it against the AFC North, with the Saints having three straight games against the AFC North. And uh, also another note, too, that I think that's really interesting, it's going to be the special teams battle here. And if you've got some time, I think I've got some interesting stuff there. You want to hear it? Uh, absolutely. Why do you think I have you on? Come on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they've got Adam Jones, formerly known as Pac-Man Jones, and he has an opportunity this season to be the first kickoff and punt returner in the NFL's last, I think it's 21 years, that you've had a, a player that can lead in both categories. That's both a punt returner and a kickoff returner. The last one was Mel Gray, the former Saint, when he played with the Detroit Lions. And what's interesting, too, I think, about, uh, about Pac-Man Jones, he's second right now in both of those categories. He has returned 13 punts this year without a fair catch. He has never fair caught the ball in 57 returns as a Bengal. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing, and it's great. And I wish there was no fair catch rule, but I understand there's a player safety issue there, too. Yeah, 
and he's got five career punt returns for touchdowns, second most among NFL players. Now, contrast him with what the Saints have done in their punt return game. Uh, they are uh, averaging uh, Brandon Cooks' 3.4 yards per return. And the Bengals rank number three in the NFL covering punts. So how much success do you think the Saints will have in that area? And uh, how much success will will Adam Jones have returning punts and or kickoffs uh, for the Bengals? Uh, Thomas Moore said I saw was, was ill yesterday and missed practice. Hopefully he'll be fully recovered because he's going to be important in that game. And, you know, I, I was thinking as well, and to me this is really interesting. You know, I was watching the, the Eagle game um, on Monday night when the Panthers just really didn't show up. And in the course of that game, Darren Sproles had a punt return for a touchdown and ran for a touchdown. Of course, everybody has a sore spot for the Saints with uh, losing him in the offseason, what he's done and the Saints' failures in that area. And they mentioned in the course of that game that the Eagles have had nine returns for touchdowns this year, uh, either as a, uh, a kickoff return, a punt return, or an interception or a fumble return, all returned for, for touchdowns. And I started thinking, when was the last time the Saints had a return for a touchdown? And listen to this. In these categories, interception, fumble, kickoff, punt, or punt block, the Saints have not scored a touchdown in any of those categories in nearly two years. Whoa. And all the people who last did that, none of them are with the team any longer. I spoke to a group earlier this week and really good Saints fans, and I said, you know, let me ask you, who was the last Saint to return an interception for a touchdown? Who was the last Saint to return a fumble, a kickoff, a punt, or a punt block? And people, for the most part, missed on all of them but two, and this is understandable. The last punt return for a Saints touchdown, Darren Sproles against the Packers back in 2011 in that series opener. Last kickoff return for a touchdown was Courtney Roby back in 2009. That was against the Rams, and that was, I believe, the, the start of the second half uh, in the Saints Super Bowl year. Last interception return for a touchdown, and this is the most recent, Jonathan Vilma. December 30th, 2012. Last fumble return, Malcolm Jenkins. December 26, 2011. Last punt block for a return, Courtney Roby, 2012 in September against the Redskins. So the point being, when you look at all the close games the Saints have played this season, uh, and with four of those five losses be by 3-3-2 three, three, and one point, and two of them in overtime, just think how much an occasional return for a touchdown might have meant to this team's fortunes. They just don't ever do it. And I, I, I'm at a loss for words. It's almost like you're bringing up the ghosts of New Orleans Saints past, but it's it, they're all recognizable names, Jim, and and none of them you know strikes fear in your heart. I mean, Sproles certainly, obviously, with his abilities. Vilma, a household name for a while here, but. There's nothing to lead me to believe that there isn't somebody as talented as those individuals on these on this version of the Saints who couldn't do the same thing. Well, possibly so. But, um, you know, you look at Darren Sproul's success with the Eagles and with the Saints last year, I think probably one of the reasons they decided to get rid of him, besides his age and his salary and the fact that I think they thought they had other people who could fill his roles um, with, certain, in, with certain players doing uh, certain things, as far as contributions, uh, was that he really wasn't a factor as a punt returner last year for the Saints. Uh, Some injuries were probably a part of that. But now look what he's done in Philadelphia. Why can't we find somebody in that role? Brandon Cooks was supposed to be that guy. He's Last I looked, he was 31st in the NFL in punt returns. Why can't we find that guy? Traveris Cadet. I mean, the the longest kickoff return by the Saints this year was Traveris Cadet. 34 yards, I think it was in the opener against Atlanta. So the point being, we're just getting almost nothing out of our, our, out of our special teams as far as uh, an impact on the game. Yeah, that's true. I, I almost want to throw out the kickoff return, though, Jim, just because it's just not kicked out of the end zone almost every time. Do we? Is that fair to throw out, or have there been enough that it's still relevant? No, I think you're right. I mean, probably the percentage of kickoffs going through the end zone the Saints have faced or touchbacks probably is above 50%, maybe 60 70%. I don't know that statistic offhand. But the point being, even when the Saints do get the opportunity to return the ball, they don't do anything with it. Yeah, true, true. You brought your A game today, my friend. 
I got a lot of stuff here today. Yeah, Sean. I'm, I'm eventually going to get through all of this. Uh, um, you're going to need like a three-hour. Oh, yes, do do a, do a three-hour pregame show on Sunday. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Seems like it. <laughs> it does. Uh, any interest in the Falcons Carolina game this weekend? Yes, this is another question I posed to these people. I was speaking <laughs> to on Tuesday. Uh, Atlanta and Carolina. Who do you root for in this game? That's why I bring it up. I don't know. I think I think you got to root for Carolina. I do too because I think they're going to continue to lose games later on. Yes, and I think Atlanta's feeling better about themselves. Where else can you go on a five-game losing streak? win one against the worst team in the NFC and say, we're right back where we need to be. And that's what the Falcons felt like after beating Tampa Bay. Two of their three wins have come over Tampa Bay, and the other came against the Saints. So I think Atlanta is, is at this point, uh, a more formidable opponent and someone you need to watch perhaps more closely than Carolina. And also, that's a long way from this being a determining factor, but the Saints also have the, uh, the tiebreaker against Carolina, having beaten them and lost to Atlanta. Now they both course still have to to come here but uh to me it looks like carolina's dead they, yeah. they're just totally dead uh, it's it's bad news right now especially when you talk about their quarterback situation and where where they go from here i'll leave that question to their folks over there and and whatnot i'm out of time jim we could probably keep going on this we haven't even talked about uh food or anything else today but we'll have to save that for next week perhaps that sounds good to me Voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson with us on the Black and Blue Report. We thank him as always. We'll continue with the Voice of the Bengals, Dan Horde, in just a moment. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun, interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. What's up, Black and Gold fans? This is Anthony Mackey, Seven Wall Soldier, Drew Brees' disciple. You are listening to the Black and Blue Report. One-on-one with Jimmy Graham here coming up on the Black and Blue Report, though. First, our visit with the voices on this Thursday continues uh, with Dan Horde. Of course, when it comes to Cincinnati, there's uh, Skyline Chili, Montgomery Inn, and uh, Dan Horde. Uh, Dan, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, but uh, if a broadcaster belongs on that list, it's Mar- Marty Brennan and not me. Trust me. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But still, the voice of the Cincinnati Bearcats, the Bengals, uh, you've done some red stuff, too. Uh, Dan's a, a very busy guy and well-loved in uh, Cincinnati. We like having him on our program, too. Um, and I'm excited to see your football team this weekend, Dan. If, if we're going to still steal the uh, Bill Parcells line of your record, or you are what your record says you are. I think I've got that right. Um, what does that say about the Cincinnati Bengals, and does 5-3-1 and one fit so far? Well, it says that they're still in contention, and they do have two victories over Baltimore, so that is good in their division. But what the record doesn't show is that in their three losses, they've been destroyed. They lost by three touchdowns to New England, Indianapolis, and most recently to Cleveland. That's not good. They're the opposite of the Saints in that sense. The Saints have, you know, as you know, four losses where they've had to leave with two minutes to go. That's not been the case for the Bengals. They would like to be in some of those games with two minutes to go. What happened 10 days ago against the Browns? Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Uh, Obviously, much of the blame has fallen on Andy Dalton's shoulders, and he was atrocious, by far the worst of his 60 NFL games. But it wasn't just Andy. Uh, Every single thing that uh, you need to do to win, they didn't do. And uh, when you do that, you get crushed at home, and that's exactly what happened in that game against the Browns. And that was surprising to me because really home has been so sweet for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, What about the road? How different is home and road for them these days? Well, until that game against the Browns, they were 13-0-1 in their last 14 regular season home games. So aside from the Saints, they've been one of the most dominant home teams in the NFL over the last couple of years. 
They've been pretty good on the road. In fact, two years ago, they were very good on the road. Last year, not quite as good. Uh, so far this year, it's been a mixed bag. They went on the road and won in Baltimore. That's hard to do. Uh, but as I mentioned, they got hammered on the road in losses to the Patriots and Colts. So we'll see how they fare this Sunday. It's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back after that game from the previous Thursday night. Is Giovanni Bernard going to go this weekend, Dan? Do you know? I would say it's unlikely. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, it's not completely been ruled out by the Bengals medical staff, but if I had to make a bet right now, I would say no. If I look at Jeremy Hill's numbers, though, he seems like a suitable fill-in there. He is. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're in good shape, I think, at that position, not only because of Jeremy Hill, but I think Rex Burkhead is a very capable NFL back. Cedric Pierman has done okay when given the opportunity. So don't get me wrong. They wish they had Giovanni Bernard. He's one of the most uh, electrifying running backs in the league, but they're still pretty deep at that position. If we stay on the conversation of run game, Dan, on the defensive side, why are the Bengals so, uh, I don't know, tissue-like against the run so far? A couple of things. I think their defensive line has not performed well. And then secondly, they have really missed two injured linebackers. Vontez Burfecht led the NFL in tackles last year. He was a pro bowler, and he's a great run stopper. And that is why Ray Maluga has lasted as long as he has in the NFL. He's not great in coverage, but he will come up uh, downhill and blow up running plays. And they've missed uh, having those two guys on the field. Now, Maluga has missed the last five games. I would expect him to play this Sunday against the Saints. It does not look like Vontez Perfect will be back until next week. Mm, good notes there. Um, as you open the broadcast on Sunday here from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, um, I, I guess in, in the business we call this uh, storylines or whatever. Um, as you open the broadcast, what game-specific storylines will you be sharing with your listeners with regard to the Bengals and the Saints? Well, for Bengals fans, it is all about Andy Dalton and can he bounce back from the worst performance of his career and really one of the worst in franchise history. Obviously, uh, they need to do a lot more uh, to win that game, but the storyline for the Bengals is Andy Dalton because he's at a crossroads right now. He's done more good than bad in his NFL career. He has taken them to the playoff each of the last three years, but he's been such a disaster in the playoff games and in primetime games that there are real question marks now. Uh, inside and outside of the locker room as to whether he is the right guy for this franchise going forward. So if he steps up and bounces back and has a good game on Sunday against the Saints, win or lose, uh, that would go a long way toward kind of uh, calming the turbulent waters right now. Voice of the Bengals, Dan Horde with us here on the Black and Blue Report. All right, Dan, help me with your schedule here. You've got what tonight and then and then what? University of Cincinnati plays a football game tonight against East Carolina. You can listen online at 700WLW.com if you would like. Uh, the basketball team has a home game to open the season tomorrow night at 8 o'clock against St. Francis. And then it's uh, off to New Orleans on Saturday for the Bengals and Saints on Sunday. It's going to be a fun four-day stretch. I wish I could promise you sunny Gulf Coast warm weather on Saturday, but uh, what, you're, what you've been getting up there, we're getting starting here today, and it is nasty rigid here tonight. Uh, I've been lucky since doing the University of Cincinnati games when they've gone to bowl games. They've given me the bowl swag, so I've got some nice championship rings and stuff like that. But <laughs> several years ago, they played in a bowl game in Toronto where the bowl swag was the world's heaviest winter coat, and I will be getting a lot of use out of that over the next few days. Oh, good move there. Uh, any, uh, any lines on a good restaurant reservation for Saturday? What does your crew like to go do? Uh, Dave Lapham, my color analyst, and I typically are uh, invited to go with Bengals clients that they bring on the team plane, uh, people that spend advertising dollars with the team. And we do a little bit of an X's and O's breakdown for these folks uh, at a restaurant the night before the game. So I believe NOLA is the uh, restaurant reservation for Saturday night. I've been there in the past. Emerald does good work. And uh, I'm looking forward to... uh, having a nice feast at somebody else's expense. He should probably open a couple restaurants, maybe. Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> he really needs to get his name out there a little bit more. <laughs> I don't think enough people have heard of him. Well said. Hey, Dan, as always, we thank you for the visit. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, hoping for you some safe travel, and uh, we'll all enjoy seeing you on the, on the weekend. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks you for bet. having me on. You bet. Dan Horde, Voice of the Bengals, wraps up our visit with the Voices here on this Thursday. We go one-on-one with Saints tight end Jimmy Graham next. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, 
No matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Hi, it's Mark Romig. When I'm not announcing, it's good, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We continue on this Thursday here with tight end Jimmy Graham. And, and there are so many things we could talk to Jimmy about for sure, but with Veterans Day being on Tuesday, and I'm sure many fans have noticed um, the camouflage, the army green that's going on throughout the NFL in the month of November, it's certainly salute the service. And with my brother as a member of Special Forces and knowing that Jimmy has uh, an affinity for those who serve our country, I thought we'd get a chance to visit a little bit here. Good to see you, by the way. It's great to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, this does mean a lot to you, this, um, this salute to service here across the NFL in November. Why? Well, f- uh, f- for me, first off, uh, uh, you know, I just always want to, before I even talk, just, just thank um, all of our service members for all that they have done uh, for sacrificing for us uh, and, and for their families for sacrificing. Um, me personally, I'm, I'm a military kid, and um, I actually grew up a little bit on Fort Bragg, and my whole life I thought I'd be in the military. So for me, um, uh, this month, uh, all that it entails and all that the NFL does uh, for our service members means uh, so much for me. So this is, this is a lifelong thing. This isn't just something that started when you went off to the Middle East as a part of, I think it was USO tour last spring? Uh, yeah, you know, this, is, uh, 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 this is my entire life, yeah. kind of. You know, I've been a part or uh, lived on military bases, and I lived in Germany on a military base when I was a small child. But um, this summer I had a great opportunity um, to uh, go on a USO tour uh, with the NFL and with two other players to Afghanistan and meet and talk and eat uh, with um, um, our, our uh, U.S. Marines who are stationed uh, in Afghanistan at Camp Leatherneck. And it was an amazing uh, time uh, uh, spent with them talking and sharing stories. Uh, uh, truly amazing. Do you think, or maybe, let me, let me back up a second here. When you, when you see the NFL honor the military in the way that they do this month, having come from a military family, do you see the impact of that on those families? Is there truly a direct relationship between the salute to service in the NFL and having some kind of an effect on appreciation by those in the military? Uh, there's a huge effect. I mean, a major, major effect. Um, um, it even goes far back. Uh, 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 last year, um, I had the opportunity to, uh, to score a touchdown in one of our salute to service games. And so I got that camouflage ball, signed it, and sent it to my best friend, um, who was about to leave for six months and uh, be stationed overseas. So, you know, just small things like that, but but on a broader sense, uh, uh, bringing these families and um, these service members to the games and, and, and having them be such a big part of the game, uh, it means so much. I mean, you can just tell by the smiles, uh, not only um, on the service members, but also their families. A lot of times you'll hear, and this, this annoys me a little bit, so maybe you can either back me on this or set me straight. Um, I think that there are too many times that there is the phrase, we're going to war, or so-and-so is a warrior with regard to football, basketball, it doesn't matter. And sometimes I, I get a little, I cringe a little bit about that because I can't in any way relate football or basketball or any other sport to what war really is as for those members uh, of our community that defend us. Um, what do you do or what do you think when you hear those correlations? Uh, well, there's, there is, uh, in my opinion, no... No comparison, you know, for the things that I've seen throughout my life, um, the stories that I've um, heard from family members, best friends, uh, and what I saw over in Afghanistan on Camp Leatherneck, um, it, it there's literally no correlation. You know, a, a small story. Uh, when I was over there, um, I got to meet with a company who 
what they do is they go out and they search for IEDs. And, and the day before we got there, um, they lost a kid who was 19 years old. And, and if you looked around um, uh, that unit, uh, you, you almost couldn't see a kid even older than 17. So you've got these, uh, well, they looked like much younger than 17. So you've got these kids over there um, uh, sacrificing so much, uh, and a lot of them the ultimate price uh, for us to, uh, uh, to live normal lives here. And, and, and so there's no comparison when it comes to what they do and what I do on Sunday. You know, what I do on Sunday um, is a privilege. You know, it's, 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 um, um, I had the opportunity to do that because of what they're doing over there. Jimmy, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Actually, I think I just made you aware before we started this tape on the interview. But every uh, every November, the NFL teams all nominate one of their own to uh, participate in the Salute to Service Award. Um, congratulations. I can honestly tell you that you've been nominated to represent the Saints with regard to that award. Uh, thank you very much. It's, uh, um, I mean, I'm truly speechless to, to, uh, um, uh, to be honored like this. But, um, you know, I always tell uh, uh, people or, or – when I'm when I'm doing something for the military, that that you know I don't do it for any kind of recognition. I mean, um, I do it for none of that actually. You know, I do it because honestly, I'm genuinely thankful uh, for everything that they do. Um, you know, for uh, uh, for this country, and I know not only them but their families uh, a sacrifice. Uh, you know, especially when these men and women are over there for so long, um, and some of them not coming back. So uh, for me, it's an honor. But but you know, uh, uh, still truly, you know, the honor goes to all these men and women who are over there fighting for us. Well said. Let's talk some football just for a second. Um, I don't want to ask you about the Hail Mary play because I, I don't think it's fair in your sport or any of the other sports that I work with to ask a player about an official's call. That just puts everybody in a bad spot. But I do want to ask you about another close finish that doesn't go the Saints' way. I mean, I think it's now four losses by a combined nine points. Could you give me kind of an overall feeling that you have about the way the season's now gone to this point, have you been able to let it wash over you at all? Yeah, it's a um, you know it's been extremely frustrating. You know, I've I've been uh, you know here for a while, and and for the most part, most of these games have always gone our way. You know, uh, you know if I can go back to 2000, uh, 2011 and 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 last year, it seemed like these close games. These are the games that we always pulled out, and um, you know, unfortunately, there's been. Um, things just not go our way, and 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 you know some of that, uh, a bunch of that is on us. You know you can't, um, you know you can't expect for uh, luck to happen. You know you have to go out there and make it happen. You know uh, 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 that's my opinion. So I I take you know full full onus of it, and and you know we've got to we've got to work on all the details. You know we when it gets to the last three minutes of these games, last four minutes of these games, we we need to do whatever it takes. Um, to make those plays and and to mentally not make any errors and and, and I think that's what we've kind of done is is you know we'll we'll have a mental error here or there but those mental errors at are at huge moments when you can't make those and and so you know I I know we have a young team but but we're only going to grow from this and and you know we still have the this entire season ahead of us. Jimmy, you get peppered with questions. Friday's your media day, and so tomorrow you'll answer the media again, and then most always speak after games as well. And you get questions from different angles. I mean, it's pretty crazy how many things you have to dance around and work through with regard to what everybody wants to know. What's the one thing you think, though, that nobody knows about this group that is worth speaking about, whether, whether it be fan knowledge of, of you and your teammates in this locker room or, or what else? What hasn't been asked? What, what should be said about this team? Um, I think uh, if, if you look at at our past uh, three or four Sundays, and and you see the uh, the excitement that we're playing at, and you see the energy that we bring to every every one of these games, um, um, the question that that isn't asked, I would think is is um, you know what what continues to keep you guys together um, through through some of these tough times that you guys have had, and and you know I know personally that uh, if if um, if you know certain other teams at points would have had this kind of luck that they would have maybe fallen apart, but you know we're still highly encouraged and and we still play for each other and and you know I mean I think that's just a bond that we have in this um, in this locker room um, as as players and men and uh, with our coaches you know this is this place is built like a family so you know we lean on each other on the good and the bad. Well said, good stuff. I'm glad you came by. I'm glad we had a chance to talk about this because. It's been fun for me to watch you find 
something that's yours. You know, we've talked about you being a pilot before and all that, but your identity with the military and using the platform you have for it now has been something that I've enjoyed watching. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm just gonna um, again, I you know thank. Uh, uh, thank you for the honor and and Will for telling me about the honor and for having me on the show today and and you know I'm only going to do um, more and more things for the military because it's so near and dear to my heart. Jimmy Graham with us on the Black and Blue Report. More from Studio B after this. Be at the Smoothie King Center to see your New Orleans Pelicans take flight on Friday, November 14th at 7 p.m. when the Minnesota Timberwolves come to town for social media night where the first 5,000 receive an Anthony Davis poster. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the front at 5.30 with music, inflatable games for the kids, and a lot more. Tickets start as low as $16. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool, collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... (coughs) Not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. All right, before we get out of here on this Thursday, we have a very big event next week to tell you all about. It's been a big show on this Thursday, so why not end with a big announcement? Um, it's only, I guess, a big announcement if you haven't heard about it already, but uh, uh, Natalie Jero is here from Second Harvest Food Bank. Um, before I get into it with you, Natalie, I will say this. I don't know if folks have been paying attention. I think there was a... A story out in the news not too long ago that Second Harvest Food Bank, which is so important to so many different people and agencies and, and whatnot across not only the New Orleans area but the South, um, has been hurting here of late. Um, and so there is more a need, not just because it's the time of year when all this usually comes up, but there seems to be more of a need now than I can remember in the past. And so with that, Natalie, I say hi. Um, but is that correct? Has it been a little bit of a lean time as far as being able to keep Second Harvest Food Bank stocked at this point? First of all, Sean, thank you so much for having me on. And yes, we, we have had less uh, what we call non-perishables. Those are those items that people think of, the canned goods, the tuna fish, the peanut butters, than we have had in previous years. But we, but we also think that just the need has remained static or has grown. So that's part of the pinch that we're feeling. And even though we do 22 and a half million meals a year, the need is really for 65 million meals. So we never reach a point where we feel satisfied with our effort. Uh, I cannot thank the community enough, though, because the 22 and a half million, that's really the generosity of the saints uh, and the community at large. All right. So therefore, let's get to the big announcement then. And the reason Natalie's with us in the Black and Blue Report today is because the saints and Winn-Dixie our partner, uh, have teamed up to help out Second Harvest Food Bank, and the big event is on uh, Tuesday, November the 18th, right across the street from us here at the Winn-Dixie parking lot on Airline Drive. So give me the rundown. What is the big event next Tuesday? Well, it is the Sensations Fall Fest. We're going to have a wonderful kickoff to the food drive that Winn-Dixie and the Saints do for us every single year. But this is a great event because it's right over at the Winn-Dixie, as you mentioned, 5901 Airline, right opposite the practice facility. We have players. We have entertainment. We have uh, a visit by the Sensations. We're going to have Cirque du Soleil out there doing a raffle for free tickets to the event. So it's a great time to, to come out. Out, support Second Harvest, meet your favorite Saints players, meet the sensations, maybe get a ticket to go see Cirque du Soleil, and it kicks off that food drive, which is so important to Second Harvest. Time of day, what are we talking about? Five to seven o'clock. Okay, perfect, perfect. So the sun will be setting at that point, and uh, and I hear it's going to be warm. Yes, warmer than what we have certainly <laughs> here today. Okay, so of course this helps bring awareness. It's a great night for the family, albeit a school night. The timing is pretty good. Uh, before homework has to be done and all that. But at the same time, we've got to get the pantry stocked, if you will. So can 
can folks bring a donation or uh, whether it be monetary or otherwise? What what sh- what is suggested? I guess they can bring food or they can bring monetary donations. Both are welcome. We I mean again we can't thank the Saints and the Houdat Nation enough for the support that they give us. Two hundred and ten thousand men, women, and children benefit from these kinds of efforts. So you can bring a financial donation or you can go onto our website at No Dash Hunger and that will show you ways that you can make financial contributions. We can make ten dollars provide 30 meals so we're very very effective with the uh the resources that the community gives us but when dixie also gives us food year round and during the fall fest will give us a tractor trailer load of food so that that's worth its weight in gold as far as we're concerned too because it's that great non-perishable food that we can put into boxes and and help to ensure that families have wonderful holiday events this year how long now have the saints been putting muscle behind this this has to be four or five years now okay i know it's been ongoing and it's gotten bigger every single year well that's good Mm -hmm. i like to hear that my employer is doing some good with second harvest food bank (laughs) they do a lot of good and and they do the saints we we have a board member from the saints which uh made me promise to mention her name lish thank you lish Uh, but the saints help us in all kinds of ways year round so we so appreciate the visits to our facility the kitchen where we're providing more than half a million hot meals for children and seniors every year Uh, the work that's done in our warehouse and our repack room we have sixty thousand volunteer hours and um, some of our volunteers got a visit from Drew Brees a couple of months ago. So that, you know, thank you, Drew, that they're certainly going to be, you know, more and more excited about coming back to Second Harvest is that's a possibility there for them. There's so many ways to help. I know, I think Coach Payton's uh, Play It Forward Foundation did something back in June. I mean, what kind of an impact did that have? They, they did it. They not only give us monetary gifts, which help us to provide backpacks, which go to kids at the end of the school week to ensure they have meals over the weekends, but he also worked with Feed the Children to give us several tractor trailer loads of food. So, yes, we've had Coach Payton has been a great supporter. Good stuff. Next Tuesday, that's the 18th, 5 to 7. At the Winn-Dixie on, what was the number again, the numeric? 5901 Airline Drive. All right. Well, you know that Winn-Dixie. It's right across from our practice facility here. Or maybe you know it because of Zephyr Stadium is right across the street, literally. And so it'll be a good time. I don't have the list of folks that will be there, but uh, I think the the twinkle in your eye and the smile on your face indicates that there'll be a little bit of star power there next Tuesday. Oh, we have a great, you know, we Second Harvest, we love the fact that we're the neighbor of the Saints practice facility, so it's easy for us to get here. So the fact that that Winn-Dixie is right across from the practice facility, every year we've had great, well, all the players are great. So I don't mind personally who shows up, but we have a wonderful mix of personalities. Natalie Jarrell, keep up the good work over there, will you? And uh, and we look forward to next Tuesday. Thanks, Saints, so much for all your help and support. Helps a lot of people. Do you all have a website that folks can check out just in case? We do, no-hunger.org. Easy enough. There we go. That's going to do it for us on this Thursday here on the Black and Blue Report. What a big show. Big announcement right there. And then the big guest list we had today, including Saints tight end Jimmy Graham, the voice of the Saints Jim Henderson, and the voice of the Bengals. Dan Horde. It was fun to talk about a Pelicans win from last night. Speaking of Pelicans, the Monty Williams Show is yours on WWL-FM this evening at 8 p.m. And then we'll do this all over again tomorrow. We'll continue to break down Saints and Bengals for the weekend and get you set for Pelicans and Timberwolves tomorrow night. This is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.